You are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics, Episode 1. Welcome to the premiere episode of Eleven O'Clock Comics. We're what back time with, is it? I, I thought I thought it was like we were getting back together for bullpen bulletins. Episode thirty-four. <laughs> okay, see, I'm going to go by the subtitle of that. That's what I'm telling everybody. Okay, you know, if we did bullpen bulletins again, I'd last maybe what about fifteen minutes? <laughs> seconds, seconds. <laughs> but see, this this is like this is great though because we have you. And and of course the person who we had on to close to, to turn off the lights. That's right. At the end of the episode. And so, and he begged um, and he pleaded with us. No, say it's not so. Not like this. <laughs> and so I took. I him think up. I'm st- I'm still hungover. <laughs> <laughs> I took him up on his offer and we dragged him back into the studio. And I heard you miss us. We're back. Absolutely. David Price and the B back in the studio together with our best buddy Chris Neesman for what we hope will be a fairly long run of scintillating comics discussion. But this time, it will be open-ended. We can talk about anything we want to. We don't have to focus on a particular company or particular type of comic. We can do indies. We can do superheroes. We can do vertigo. We can do... Whatever idea pops in your head. That's right. It doesn't have to be about publishers. It could be about however we feel about the state of the industry, about... It, it doesn't matter the fact that, you know, do you prefer single monthly issues? Do you prefer collected editions? Do you prefer black and white? Do you prefer color? Do you, you know, it, yeah. whatever. Open-ended. There and are no are. limits to this show. The, the, the future <laughs> is very bright. That's what I'm which trying have, to say. Which here. I have a feeling is what should have been from the get-go with you. Uh, with me, yeah. Yeah, you have, you're, you're much more disciplined than I am. You, you like your stuff and you don't tire of it. I am not like that. I get bored really easy with things, uh, certain things. And Thank you. yeah, and I, and I have to mix it up a little bit. So uh, here we are. And you know, for the uninitiated, I'm Vince B. You used to hear me on that bullpen bulletins thing with the guy on my left, or is it my right? No, it's my right. What's your name again? Uh, David Price. Good old David Price, my buddy. And in the other corner, we have the world-famous Chris Neesman. <laughs> That's a small, small world. <laughs> Dave. What's up, brother? Hey. Dave. You know, it, it's, I, I, I hear it all the time. Whenever we went on hiatus on, on Around Comics, people were constantly talking about, oh, no, it's bulletin bulletins all, all over again. That, and there are still people that clamor for, for bullpen bullpen. So I'm excited to be a part of this with you guys because yeah. I missed that show and, and I've missed you guys. Oh, what? shit, dude. I miss, well, first of all, I think, I, I think it's obvious that I miss Vince and, but the fact that <laughs> you were in my backyard last weekend and I didn't get to see you. And, yeah, and no. I don't think I'm New gonna, York. I, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm even going to see you this year. That that kills me. But I mean, if I have a chance to talk to you, if I if, if I can give you a call or just <laughs> shoot you a message, I'm I'm all over it. So the fact that I'm here hanging out 
with you two, that just that makes my night. Oh, you will see him this year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll so, happen. Oh, you, yeah. you guys are coming to my house? No, you're coming to Chicago. <laughs> It, yeah, it's it, it's going to happen, buddy. We'll talk yeah. about that later. But, yeah, but, but anyway, j- just so everyone out there is on the same page, you can listen to David. If you're not getting enough of him here, you can listen to <laughs> David on a weekly show he puts out called Marvel Noise on the Derek Coward uh, feed, the Deliberate Noise Network. Great show. And then Chris recently resurrected around comics. And boy, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed that episode. Chris is back. So it's like the renaissance of comics podcasting <laughs> as if we needed another one out there. But who cares? You know, we're, well, we were rusty, though, weren't we? No, you were no. perfect. You were right oh, on the no. had, the, to, had to knock the rust off there. The, man. the only thing I would have added to the show was the big uh, sexy guy in the corner, Sal. He wasn't there. Uh, he'll be back. He'll be back. Don't worry about Sal. Yeah. I, I love. I, I, I think it's obvious just by this that they always come back. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't that a movie like a really bad one? Yes, sometimes they come back, and then sometimes they come back again. <laughs> there was a sequel, <laughs> honest to God. But uh, that should be the name of the show. <laughs> sometimes and, they come back. And, and just in case you missed it, uh, it is called Eleven O'clock Comics, and mm-hmm. we we volleyed a, a bunch of names back and forth modok yeah, that went on for a while yeah modok ate my baby you know just just real irreverent stuff and Family's then not okay yeah yeah and then today chris said after dark comics and and david comics after dark comics yeah. after dark and david made a snide comment <laughs> no i didn't i said i like that but it, to me that that was like no 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 you said, you said you said you said that's cute. <laughs> yes, I did. You're right. I said that's cute, and then Vince came back with eleven o'clock comics because, and I said that works because it's true. It's tradition. That's when we've always recorded um, mm-hmm. bullpen bulletins, and whenever you have been on, we because st- the, the the East Coast time is the real time. I don't know what the hell Chris is doing out there, over, but in any case, eleven o'clock comics works. I think East Coast is the galactic time. Everybody goes by the East Coast. What am I doing? I'm going to bed before midnight. Is what I'm doing. <laughs> we'll see about that. It's true. And so what uh, are we going to talk about today, John? Well, uh, just one more thing. If uh, mm, I'm sorry. If there's anybody listening that is a fan of bullpen bulletins and enjoyed our discussions, but didn't like the little extra audio sh- uh, shenanigans that I included in every episode, rest easy because there's not going to be any of that here. I uh, have taken it upon myself to. Make sure that this show comes out every week, maybe not the same day every week, but it will come out once a week. And I know I shouldn't be making promises that I have a hard time keeping. But if we do it this way, audio verite, the real world, warts and all, no editing, just slap it together, get it out on time, because I think timeliness is more important than audio explorations, you want to call them bullshit, annoying little shit and things that I put in. Getting it out once a week is more important than that. So I'm going to sacrifice that because I don't really don't have the time anyway. And we're just going to talk about <laughs> comics and do it up because that's what people seem to want, right? Works for me. Yeah. So there we go. No messing around. Comics. That's what we're going to talk about. And and I know, yeah, and I know something comics related today that David's probably going to want to discuss. 
Well, I didn't read it yet. Well, you already know I mean, what I, happened. I already know what happens, but it doesn't mean that I, I know how it happened, but yeah. Okay, oh. we, well, we won't get into that, but DC Universe came out today, and there oh. was a fairly large reveal, uh, actually strung throughout the entire book, but really the payoff was the last page. And once again, you got to give props to Morrison and Johns. Really well done. Morrison, what else? I don't know. The, the, the New York Times spoiled it for me, man. <laughs> David was up no, in no, arms no. today. No, no, Well, the New York Times might have spoiled it for you, but I had a co-worker <laughs> send me an email with a link to the New York Times and spoiled it for me. So I don't blame the New York Times as much because I would have avoided that site. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Captain America get spoiled for you too? No. Oh, no. Something did, I remember. What was it that you were you were all flustered, something got spoiled? Was I flustered? I, see, you're, I, you're flustered, yeah. Wow. The, you see, I think it may, have been, it may have been Cap. Um, so should we go ahead and spoil it for folks, even though I haven't read it yet, but I do know what the spoiler is? Well, yeah, let's, because, I mean, it's pretty much, it should be common knowledge now. Every site's carrying something about it. And uh, when David said that, actually, when he said he was spoiled, and I thought, wow, he he must have went to the Pulse site, because on, on mm-hmm. the uh, Pulse, Jennifer Contino had uh, something along the lines of, you know, a flash is back or something like that, and you know, draw, connect the dots. Which it's not. Why would they not make be Bart. right? May, why make a big deal about Bart? And I thought, wow, holy shit! You know, that's a pretty blatant uh, reveal there. But it wasn't. It was the New York Times. So yeah, Barry Allen potentially back. And it, it, it's, it's interesting because it's. Um, I don't know if if someone was messing around with Rich Johnston or if uh, if. When he reported it, they decided to move things around because initially, months ago, a uh, he he reported on lying in the gutters that Barry Allen was going to be a member of the Black Lantern Corps. So I don't what? know. And and when Ethan Van Skyver said to Rich Johnston that uh, I don't know where you get your information from, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but he's working on the Black Lantern Corps event. And he says Barry Allen's not even coming up in any of our discussions. So I don't know if, like I said, I don't know if someone was having fun with Johnston and says, yeah, yeah, Barry Allen, Black Lantern Corps, 2009, mark your calendar. Or if after (laughs) Johnston reported it, they said, okay, well, listen, we still want to bring Barry back. But instead of doing it in in, in the Green Lantern event next year, we'll do it for this. Uh, I, I, I have a feeling, though, that Morrison had this planned. Yeah, I think it was deliberate misinformation on DC's part. Maybe they're learning a little bit from the way Marvel does it. Could uh, be. Who knows? <laughs> but it would be nice to see that they're trying to play the fans because that'd be really cool to deliberately float something out there that they know Johnson's going to pick up on and lead fans in the other direction and then hit them with the, you know, lead with the left, hit with the right. That'd be great. And, and I hope they did do that. Kudos to them if they did. But uh, for 50 cents... What an issue. A lot of people I've read on message boards complain that it, it lacked coherency. <laughs> and, you know, you, you got to wonder what they're thinking because basically it was, uh, however long it was, 22 pages, it was a 22-page ad. It was a bunch of hooks designed to draw you in. <laughs> and that's what it did. It did it very well, too. There's a lot of shit in there that I want to see, um, you know, fleshed out, with the exception of the Wonder Woman part. That was the weak link for me. Don't really care. Yeah, yeah don't care about Wonder Woman. I'm actually looking forward to Final Crisis. Me it's, too. Um, 
Yeah. I'm, I'm going to enjoy it for what it is. And with Barry Allen, um, I think this gives Johns a chance to write Barry Allen, which has he ever written Barry Allen before? I think there's been, you know, the the few, like, brief cameo appearances where, where you know, the time travel issues and whatnot. But I think this is going to be the the first time where Johns is really able to, to write Barry. So it's, and that came out in the, in that New York times article as well, didn't right. it, that, uh, that Johns is going to be going to be writing a Barry Allen flash comic. Yep. Yep. So, and, and, you know, I was one of Johns's biggest detractors around the infinite crisis. Number seven <laughs> era, but was, you know, you got to give the guy props. I think he's <laughs> like I said on, on the around comics forum, I think John's is in his golden age. This is prime John's time. Well, back, you know, on, on the whole infinite crisis thing, we can uh, skip over this pretty quickly, but do you really think that that was all John's fault? The, how that was resolved. And uh, you go back and read that and it doesn't read like a, like a Jeff John's comic. So no. I think there were some, I think there were some other cooks in the kitchen. Oh, on I'm, that sure, one. I'm sure there was. Yeah. Uh, but then again, the name on the cover is, takes your full sure. responsibility so yeah and if you look at the stuff that he's done since yeah and and, and jack kirby uh drew all those superman heads too right oh no no he did not <laughs> well he did initially and then it, and, and then uh, whoever decided that yeah that, that that's not a good look and and you went and you had murphy anderson you had a murphy anderson superman head on a Jack Kirby Superman body, how can you lose? <laughs> yes, ladies and so gentlemen. So you, you you know what I mean. It's like sometimes the name is on the comic, but the yes. the end product is not always what you uh, what you see or read. The the Jewish guy does not understand sarcasm. <laughs> hey, <laughs> this uh, is a segment. The, Jew, the Jewish guy is a little drunk right now. Thank you very much. Uh, that's my that's my job, David. I know. I, um, I, you came in late. Hey, um, I had uh, I had a huge week at the comic shop. Yeah, and, me too. Uh, I only had a, I only had a chance to read one comic uh, before we started talking tonight, but boy, was it fun! Have you guys uh, Have you guys read Daredevil: uh, Blood of the Tarantula yet? It was uh, It was my pick of the week on Marvel Noise this week. It was, it, it's an awesome Andy. Movie. Um, Vince, do you know who put this one together? Why don't you tell me about it? Because as I've said in other places, I, I I'm not I'm not reading any Marvel. Well, no, that's a lie. I'm sorry. I'm reading Omega for another few months. I'm reading Omega: The Unknown. God, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm reading The Dark Tower because that series is just phenomenal. Well, but, did you uh, did you read Capote in Kansas from Oni? Yes. This reunites that team. This is Andy Parks and Chris Somney doing a Daredevil book. And uh, it's not just Andy Parks. It is uh, the story was uh, co-plotted by Ed Brubaker and Andy Parks. And Andy scripted it. And Chris Somney did art. And it is it is a different style for Chris than than you've seen in the past, um, but he's he's really pulling off a a nice look for Daredevil. It's kind of in the same in the same vein as what we've seen from Mike Clark and um, uh, Alex Maleev as far as the the very dark and gritty look that works so well with Daredevil. So uh, great story, great art, big props on on a one shot story that was. Really fun, really entertaining. So, and, and they're um, Chris Somney and Andy Parks are are two of my favorite people in the industry, anyway. And it's it's really awesome to see them doing some some fun stuff at Marvel. 
Chris Zombie is one of those guys that you can't help but like the guy because he, mm-hmm. he comes off so as so personable and you know he's for a guy he's very attractive and he just has this imp, <laughs> you know this this impish quality about him but when you see mm-hmm. his work you want to kill him because for a guy that young he should not be as good as he is mm. he 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 draws like a bastard and he has this yep. this this old school sentiment to his work that really is, it's amazing i love his stuff but yeah I still won't read it. Uh, I may look at it. <laughs> it. Vince is allergic to good books right now. The, uh... You know, it's it, it's really a different style from Chris. If you if you like his black and white stuff from Capote in Kansas or what he did on Queen and Country, this is this is very different. I mean, this is uh, you know, it's color. It's um, I think it's a little bit looser style. It mm-hmm. doesn't rely so much on the heavy blacks and shadows that uh, that is. That is black and white work is um, you know just so distinctive. Whenever you see a Chris Somney page, you you can. But tell I think that, I think the line is there mm-hmm. that that you can still tell that it's Chris. It's not like you can mm-hmm. look at it sure. and go, "Well, is it David Lark? Is it?" I mean, it it still has that Chris feel to it. But you're right; it doesn't. It, it's not you know the negative space or the heavy blacks. It's not. It, it is it is colored Chris Somney art, so it looks a little different, mm-hmm. but you can still, just like you could always tell when it was a Ditko book or a Byrne book or a Kirby book, you can still tell that, that Somney drew this. It's funny because it's kind of like it went through the, um, you know, the Marvel blender. It, it kind of got Marvelized his style, and he did some work on Exterminators, and I kind of felt like his style kind of got uh, uh, vertigoed, you know, where you, you kind of, <laughs> like, you see that, you see, you know, honestly with guys like, you know, Mike Norton, where, um, you know, he'll switch from one book to another, and and he'll he'll make adjustments to his style, and and I actually take my uh, my hat off to those guys because I think they do it for a very fan friendly reason. That um, you know, th- this didn't look totally like Chris's style, but it felt like a Daredevil book, and and he pulled it off. But it's um, you know, yeah, I, I think he made some some changes to his style. But it worked, and and it felt like a great Daredevil story that we've kind of come to you know expect since the uh, the Bendis Malieve run. Speaking of Mike Norton, I picked mm-hmm. up Blue Beetle number twenty six today. Did any of you guys? It's take pretty, it? wasn't it? You know, it's it's pretty and it's really good. Uh, well, Mike's always good, but I'm really starting to see the burn influences in Mike's work. Just starting mm-hmm. to now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it was it just passed me by before, or it was kind of subtle. But this one, you can really see the burn influence, and it's like it's not Mike Norton drawing burn or trying to ape burn. It's it's they're honest to god things that that have seeped into Mike's style that he maybe thought worked for burn that he's you know filtered through his own little thing and he made them their own it's a really good looking issue really good because when you looked at the countdown work that mike did there were, i didn't see any burn influences at all but but this is really nice uh very striking striking work and mike's work is is so interesting he can be such a chameleon with yeah, stuff exactly and i think a lot of it a lot of it depends on who is inking him but he's very conscious about about the look that he's going after the even whenever we've talked about it a little bit if you look at what he just did on green arrow black canary it's he's he's doing cliff chang mm-hmm. but he's doing it well right and if you look at what he did on all new adam he was doing 
John Byrne, and he was doing it very well, maybe even better than what Byrne is doing Byrne right now. Yeah. And I, I picked up a, I picked up a, a graphic novel that he did with Anthony Johnston several years ago uh, when I was out at WonderCon, and it's called Closer, and it, it was nothing like anything else I've seen Mike do. It's a totally different, very indie, black and white, uh, almost goth look to it so i mean mike does great like dc house style stuff but i i really am looking forward to seeing him kind of spread his wings and and really settle on his own style hopefully in the next year or so as he gets into you know green or black canary right now, well, i i have a question i'm sorry vince i um i know vince had a topic that and i and i hope that we, we do touch on this but and we can come back to this later but when chris just said it 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 made something go off in my head years ago Uh-oh. when you had something and uh, when you had a fill in, when you had like, if you have a, a run of, I don't know, say Ross Andrew on Spider-Man. And then all of a sudden, you know, John Romita senior came in for a fill in because Ross was sick or something. So it, but you could still tell it was a little different. Even if the start, do you, what I'm trying to ask is, does it, but with Norton, kind of, I don't want to say emulating because I don't want to, to give the wrong. I don't want to make make it sound mm-hmm. negative, but with him emulating Chang, or if he were to, like, say, take over the next men for a few issues from Burn, and and he emulated Burn, does that? Do you want to see somebody? Do you want to see a different artist come in and draw like the artist who normally draws? that book or do you want to see the artist just draw the way they draw do the issue or two or three whatever the story is and then move on hmm. that's a good question I think, I think it depends on the book I think it depends on where it is in the story I think it depends on who the artist is um, Well, it does, I think that's mm-hmm. it does make sense sorry about that it does make sense in terms of marketing uh, especially when you take into account that virtually everything these days goes to trade and your trade buyer is usually not the monthly reader so uh, when you have a five issue series and the regular artist takes off for one issue in the middle and you have mm-hmm. someone like Norton come in who pretty much emulated Paco Medina on New X-Men. I had to take a, a couple looks mm-hmm. at it just to make sure, you know, I knew who I was looking at because he, he came really close to Paco Medina. And yep. uh, so when you, when you have all the issues collected in a trade, it's seamless. E- even though there may be slight differences in the mm-hmm. art, the tone of the book remains the same. You're not going to get someone like, uh, say, Paco Medina and put Sienkiewicz in for an issue and then continue the last two with Paco mm-hmm. Medina. The flow remains intact and i think that's what maybe mike has taken into consideration that he's looking at the big picture not just the monthlies he 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 is really really fan friendly when it comes to that and he understands that you know with green arrow black canary he knows that people really love what what cliff chang was doing and I think he's very conscious about making that a smooth transition. And you'll see that art change, I think, over the next couple months. But, you know, you look at it, it, you know, going back to, you know, what series it is and where it is, you know, in the, you know, I, I can't go a podcast without talking about Queen and Country. And you look at each, <laughs> <This isn't laughs> you, 
They, you, you look at you look at each one of those those story arcs that go through that series, and and each each arc has its own artist, and that I think is very important to that series. And I can't, you know, it's it's been very few times that that you've seen an artist. Uh, I think actually once, and and it was the Mike Norton um, story. I think um, crossed over uh, artists, but you know, you look at something like uh, like the all new Adam. And that was that was very early in that series. Byrne did what the first three issues, I think three or four. Yeah, and and Mike came in and and boom, he nailed it, and and it was it was very seamless. And and so you know he's good at that. It's like if they had had anybody else, um, you know, Jim Chung comes in after that, it would have been it would have been really weird. So no, Jim, I'm yeah. yeah. It would be very jarring. And, you know, we're, we're throwing all these titles out here that Mike mm-hmm. Norton has worked on, and we, we think of him as a relative newcomer to comics. Mike's been around, <laughs> a, you know, a nice amount of time, and he's done a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Voltron, baby. That's right. Go, Mike. <laughs> to get back Go, to, Joe. He did G.I. Joe, too. Yeah. To get back to Queen and Country just for a second... God forbid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do have to give anytime, you, baby. Anytime. <laughs> I do have to give you thanks because you have been pushing this book on me for literally years, and mm-hmm. I ordered and read the what is it? The definitive Queen and Country, mm-hmm. the the collected volume. It's really good stuff. And this I'm is com- yeah, this is coming from someone who doesn't really like the spy genre. I, I can tolerate it, and the best examples are very good, and I'll enjoy them. But as a whole, you know, I, I just won't say I'm in the mood for a spy thriller thing. <laughs> uh, but uh, Queen and Country was very good. It was uh, the characters are are extremely real. How do you uh, how do you like uh, Ralston's art on that first arc? I think the first arc was the best of the first definitive mm-hmm. trade. Yeah, I like it. Um, did that finish up with the Leonardo Fernandez or the Jason Alexander um, arc? Mm, would you like me to check? I'm, I have it right here. Um, Jason Alexander. I have, from a, the I, I have one. I have one handy as well. <laughs> it's under my pillow. <laughs> would you like the hardcover, the definitive edition, or the single issues? <laughs> <laughs> I want the one bound in uh, ruckus skin. Mm-hmm. Do you have that edition? Well, well <laughs> speak, speaking of ruckus, since you know, I don't want to be the odd man out. I recently finished the uh, the definitive uh, whiteout volume one. Oh, that's nice. good yeah. stuff. Yeah, yep. that is good stuff. I was, I was, that was, that was his first I, stuff. I, I, I really, really liked it. I'll be getting the second volume and then getting on moving mm-hmm. on to the uh, the Queen and Country stuff. And I have. Uh, was it his first novel? I have Keeper in my bag that I started recently. So cool. I'm, well, I'm, I'm we'll, drinking we'll, the Kool Aid. We'll keep it uh, ruckus centric, but come back to uh, to Daredevil and, and Vince. If you need to go grab a you know a soda pop or anything, you you can feel free now. You know, David and I can uh, talk about the upcoming Ed Brubaker oh, and Greg Rucka arc. Love it. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. Goddamn Marvel shit. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? You know, I'm it, not even. It, I'm it, not even. T- it, go ahead. It, well, it goes. It, it goes back to a uh, to uh, a former DC book. So Vince can join back in. This is uh, reuniting the old Gotham Central team, which is exciting for me. And that is one that that is one Batman Universe book that I I, I never got around to reading. Oh. Yeah, I know. I need to. I need to. Well, both of nice you if, if, serious? No, 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 no. I read it. Yeah, I have it. Oh, oh. Yeah. I'm not a Philistine. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm not even going to go into like, I, 
I, I read next week's Mighty Avengers, so I'll I'll I'm not trying to throw anything out there about oh you know I this is what I read and I'm I'm so great. I'm just saying that like this is it, it it's okay that that Marvel's putting out a few books that's who that, says that, that that a couple of people want to read. <laughs> that's not my not my point at all, buddy. I, all right, I I I acknowledge that they are selling a lot of books and they're pleasing a lot of people. It's they're just not pleasing me lately, uh, and and it has to do with the whole secret invasion. Who can you trust? Doppelganger shit. I think it's one of the oldest cliches in the book. You know, uh, the person who's assuming the identity of someone else and they're not really who they seem, and that stuff drives me crazy. I can't read books like that because I I don't like being. I'm uh, whatever the stories are solid. The art is. You don't like being hoodwinked. I don't like being strung along. It's it's a it's like a shell game. Follow the shell, you know. And then all of a sudden, oh, that's not what it was. We we led you in another direction, and then we pulled the rug out from under you. I that that just bothers me. It's like a mechanic that I don't need. But I'm not the, saying the, the, I'm not saying the, the books are thing, bad, man. I'm not. It's just I don't want to read them. They're entertaining. What I've read so far, and I am liking them. My only problem with the whole scroll deal. And I hope it doesn't turn into this. Is that they now have the chance to use that as a deus ex machina to fix anything that they want to. It's, it's oh, they were a scroll, so it doesn't count. And so, I mean, they they have the ultimate mulligan for any bad storyline or any you know dropped ball as far as the the fans are considered. And, and I don't think they're going to do that, but they can now. They, they have they. I you know see what I that mean. Is, that's a good thing, in my opinion, because yeah, it's too fucking convenient. It, you know, it, that's one of the things I love about Brubaker is that he he never makes the resolution the obvious thing, which I love about his work. <laughs> and I and I think and I think that that too many times in comics we see the. Um, you know, I'll use I'll use a recent one. It's magic. We don't have to explain it. You know, we see that too much in comics. Well, well I'll, I'll use one from the past. Doom, a, a Doom bot, a arcade <laughs> flicks match off of uh, <laughs> arcade flicks his match off of Doctor Doom to light a cigarette in an X Men issue that Claremont wrote, and uh, and and we find out in an, in an issue of Fantastic Four that Byrne wrote and drew. That when this this Doctor Doom returns back to, to Latveria, Doctor Doom sees the scratch on the armor and says, "How how would how are you going to let Doom? Why, why would Doom let some common man get close enough to to flick a match on him and destroys the Doombot?" So that was Burns' way of saying, "Listen, whatever whatever Claremont, whatever Chris wanted to do in Uncanny X Men, <laughs> that wasn't the real Doctor Doom." Right. But let's just take a character like Wolverine, who has been bogged down with muddled continuity for years and years and years. This is a great way of just saying, screw everything since Madripoor never happened or whenever the in terms of Secret Invasion number one with the the old uh, Incredible Hulk era costume. Let's just say that none of that shit happened. Start the damn title over again and get a bunch of people who have never read it before and old-time fans on the ground floor and they can enjoy well-written, well-drawn stories from the get-go. 
no more continuity. And then as the continuity builds up, eventually in 20 years, you're going to have the same problem again. But it, it's like a, a fresh starting point. That's what the industry needs. They don't need, you know, um, a feral reincarnated animal thing with bone claws and then he didn't have bone claws <laughs> and and magneto took all the the adamantium out of like nobody i can't remember all this shit and i'm sure even the best and longest x-men fan has a problem putting all this stuff together so let's just wipe it all off it's only a character i mean it's it's not like they're killing him in real life it's he doesn't it's just a character wipe it all away and start over again that'd be brilliant they did it with spider-man and people yep. seem seem to be loving that. Are they? I haven't checked. I haven't read. Well, it, from from honestly. what from what I hear, uh, the hubbub is that all the pain of one more day has been has been <laughs> has been made worth it with brand new day. They say brand I'm, new I'm, day. Amazing Spider Man right now. Amazing Spider Man is 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 a, and I'm trying to avoid wearing the Marvel guy cap. I mean, yeah, we know that's pretty much what brought me to the dance, but we're proud I'm, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm a comic book fan and, and I don't want to just focus. I don't want everything to come out of my mouth while we're doing this to be pro Marvel joke. You can do no wrong, but I've been reading amazing Spider-Man. I, I was reading, well, you remember I was reading it during civil war yeah. and I, I've, I've been reading amazing Spider-Man and, and all, and dude, we both went through that well-written but horribly illustrated sensational Spider-Man annual. So we've, we've, we've seen, we've seen Spider-Man through his ups and his downs and, and the and Eisner nominated. Oh, please don't, yes. don't, don't bring it up. Yeah. Hopefully just, just for writing. I'm hoping the, uh, but as, as of amazing Spider-Man, once the new status quo went into place, aside from, Maybe a misstep or two art-wise. I haven't. I haven't felt that the writing is being. I haven't felt the writing is forced. I just everything's pretty much moving at a decent enough clip. I have no problems at all with the current direction of Spider-Man. The art you've had, even even the Laroca issues, they weren't all. 100% good or bad either way. They he had his, he had some very strong points. It wasn't it wasn't new universal LaRocca. It was it was it wasn't bad artwork even in the Bob Gale written Amazing Spider-Man issues. So, no, I've I've really been especially the recent Chris Piccolo issues there you have go. been beautiful to look at and 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 a slightly different looking Spider-Man at that, but I have had no problems whatsoever with the with the recent Amazing Spider-Man run. I've heard comments ranging from, "This is what the book felt like when I was first buying it in the early '80s," which is a you know a hell of a compliment. Mm -hmm. To to you know, uh, this is the best the book has ever been, and it's 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 exciting because anything's possible with Peter now. And so uh, there are people who claim that Brand New Day. Uh, or I'm sorry, one more day was worth it. So obviously people are buying it at the at my local comic shop. The setup is uh, about 16 foot racks, um, tiered up to maybe the height of eight comics. So you figure in a in a 16 foot rack you can put maybe 16 comics. Let's just uh, say he has one entire rack of Amazing Spider-Man. 
every week he'll he'll put the the new issue next to it and when he first started he had about a stack of maybe 80 90 books on the rack mm-hmm. there are not too many of the early uh weekly issues left so somebody's buying this stuff and and yeah. he he makes it so that you can come in and buy like say two or three months of spider-man at cover price so he knows that that's the that's the key is is to get somebody in on the ground floor which would goes back to what we were saying with this whole uh scrawl thing wipe them clean it worked for spider-man and and if there's ever a book that besides wolverine that uh can use a good scrubbing it's the x-men continuity <laughs> that's a mess hey vince hey hey chris What's the best comic book on the shelves these days? The absolute best? Are we talking uh, mainstream or independent? <laughs> Who cares? What's the best book on the shelves these days? We uh, were talking about it last night, brother. Y- well, you yeah, I was just going to say that. I was going to say it regardless. The best book on the stands, in my opinion, is Fear Agent. You know what I picked up today at the comic shop? What'd you get? Did you see uh, Tales of the Fear Agent came out today in trade? It did it. Yeah, do you remember all those all those great backup stories in Inferior Agent? Oh, they could. whenever they they collected it as a trade. Awesome. And I'm looking through it, and Hillary Barta. I didn't realize how much stuff that that Hillary was doing with the with all the the different backup stories. But he's got stories in here that he wrote, that he drew, that he inked, and mm-hmm. it's stuff. Um, um, have either one of you guys checked out a book called White Picket Fences coming out from Ape Entertainment? Keep hearing about it. Yeah, I, I haven't read it, but I did see it. It's um, um, art was done by Micah Ferreter, who's one of my favorite unknown artists uh, uh, by a lot of comic fans out there. If you have a chance, he did some stuff in uh, in Rick Remender's other book, Strange Girl, and mm-hmm. I love Micah Ferreter's art. And there's there's a really fun story in in tales of the fear agent in here so i was just uh, uh flipping through that while you guys were talking about Spider-Man. I, I, was big, I would mention it i was a big strange mm-hmm. girl fan that that series ended way too soon do you remember the issue where where she goes into hell mm-hmm. and it was the, the whole dominatrix issue and all that if you remember that oh yeah he drew that yeah that was michael Farrader. excellent Yes, he is awesome. Strange Girl always made me feel kind of icky because she's supposed (laughs) to be a a tween, and Mm -hmm. they they drew her so damn sexy. I was like, ooh, a little bit uncomfortable, (laughs) you know, getting a chubby over this girl who's not legal. So, But, uh, yeah, definitely Fear Agent I think is the best, and I think Tony Moore better step up his game a little bit because (laughs) the guy they have on it now with – What's his name? I, I can never remember. Jerome Pena. Right. Jerome Pena. Right. Mm-hmm. Opena. He is phenomenal. Yeah, he's the shit. I, I each successive issue he draws, I just he just keeps getting better, and he has this Al Williamson, Tony Moore kind of a uh, little bit of Mike Plug type mix to mm-hmm. his art. It, it it looks like classic adventure comic art. It's just brilliant i love it and we were uh, talking um we were talking on and around comics uh, episode and scotty is a huge fan uh scotty young is a, is a huge fan of of Openon's work one of the things that he's that he commented on and i've gone back and i've looked at is right is that is that he throws a lot of stuff at the camera 
is, mm-hmm. is how Sky used it. And it, you go back and you look at it, and it is. They're very dynamic pages and panels, and there's a lot of action busting out of the page coming at you. And that it's perfect for a for a sci-fi adventure book like Fear Agent. So I'm guessing that the move to Dark Horse really benefited that book. Um, yeah. Um, I've 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 guesses on why they did that. And and I don't think that you have to look any farther than your nearest Cineplex. Right. I would say Mike Richardson can probably make it uh, facilitate the move to film a lot easier than Eric Larson. Yeah, that, that's my guess on, on why they did that. And, you know, all the guys that are involved in that book still do a ton of stuff at Image. But, yeah, I think that was I think that was very much a, a Hollywood um, inspired move to Dark Horse, it, it, and like, that's my guess. Can you imagine a Fear Agent movie? That would be no. so cool. Who would you cast? Oh God, is as Heath? I'm, ter- I'm terrible at this. Um, um, How old is uh, he supposed to be? Um, Thirty-five. Yeah, around or there. So. I would say like what, f- around forty. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I have the perfect choice, and it's well, who is Chris Isaac? <laughs> well, he's got the look, maybe. Yeah, well, maybe because I'm, I'm th- Matthew McConaughey's far too young then. Chris Isaac can act. You yes, know, McCon- actually, you know what, McConaughey. I like I like McConaughey. I think Chris Isaac is not rough and tumble enough. Oh, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think he could be. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't see Isaac going through too many motions like uh, Christian Bale or Tom Jane to 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 toughen up for a part. I like the McConaughey. I think I think that would work real well. He's a Texas guy, isn't he? Yes, he's got that. Yeah. I love I love him in a Time to Kill. There you go. Yeah. I, I kind of like that one. Yeah. So I'm I'm going with David on that one, Vince. Sorry. And, man. and, and what what was the fear agent's name? The heavy set guy with the with the mustache. Oh yeah, uh, Wilfred uh, Brimley. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Wilfred Brimley is taken out by <laughs> yes, yes. Even the diabetes has not killed him yet. Diabetes, make it happen. Make fear agent happen. That'd be make awesome. It so. I, you know what? I, I have a feeling that by the end of this year, I, I have, I have a. It's just, it's too good. It's too good of a concept. And you know the what's going to happen? Movies are too hot. In, Indiana gonna Jones happen. is going to tear it up naturally, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the adventure genre. Genre. Listen, I sound like a truck driver. The the sorry for all you truck drivers. The uh, adventure <laughs> genre is going to be really hot with the studios again. So oh, yeah. it's going to you know grease the wheels a little bit better for Fear Agent. That's awesome. But, but is uh, is Dark Horse in a position right now to because they they had two two Alien versus Predator movies. Did either of them do anything? Oh, they were horrible. Well. Hey, they they got a they got one getting ready to come out that's going to do all right. Oh boy, too. Oh yeah, yeah. you're absolutely yeah. right. And 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 and, and they're going to have the adaptation for uh, for the Indy Four movie. Yeah. So Dark Horse so, will be connected to to good movies this year. So maybe you know that between Indiana Jones and Hellboy, that could be the one to mm-hmm. punch them to get back and say, listen, you know, all right, we might have misstepped with AVP, but. Uh, Missed that. Ah. They, they fell off the cliff with that one. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how much they had to do with the movie. They, um, 
they have anything to do with 30 Days a Night, or is that all IDW? I thought that's IDW. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. It, you got to you know, give it is, it is a it is eleven o'clock comics. I'm getting a little fuzzy here. So. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to give Mike Richardson a little bit of credit. The guy's a survivor. Oh yeah, he, he oh, knows oh. how to get his shit out there. A little bit of credit. I tell you what, right now, Dark Horse and believe it or not, Dynamite are two of my favorite publishers. Dynamite's kicking ass right now. The and, only thing I like Dark, from Dynamite Dark, is the boys. I love that book. Oh, dude. Have you been reading Lone Ranger or Zorro? No. Oh, but see, Zorro is something I want to check out because Wagner's writing it. Ding. Well, yeah. All right, we covered. And, we got the, the, the Rucka <laughs> and we got the Wagner. And we got the Kirby. Yeah. So we're good. Well, it's like a Kirby reference. Dude, Zorro's really good. And uh, Francesco Francavilla doing art. Oh. So. Who who did a series with Rick Remender and Seth Peck called Sorrow? So which was great. The last, I really, I, mm-hmm. the last issue of Sorrow. Last panel. It was foul, man. That last issue, yeah. just the language alone. Oh, you guys are killing me, man. How did you interpret that last panel? Do we really want to let that go? I mean, it's still pretty fresh. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hold on that. We'll hold, okay, we'll for, come back for, to for Sorrow for. for, for for horror fans, especially like '80s um, teen horror, go check out Sorrow. Yeah, yeah, and it's beautifully illustrated. Lobo, what'd you think of the last panel? I know he has an opinion on that. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Loved it. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. So there you go. Look at that. We're we're in it under an hour. Maybe we should keep going. Let's do it. Grip it the... rip. I got I I got at least a, a half a. Uh, half glass of whiskey here. Well, we want to keep it within a manageable size because if we start going <laughs> down the bullpen bulletins road, we'll be here all night. And we can do oh, it. Yeah. We, we've proven that. <laughs> we don't have to prove it anymore. That's right. It's out of our system. But I, I do want to thank two people who were a little bit involved in the pre-production of this uh, episode. Ian Levenstein helped me out in Skype testing my... Uh, recording settings because after the bullpen ended i just wiped <laughs> I, I, I wiped all the audio stuff and no uh, remnants ian levenstein of comic timing who it's just entering its second year i believe yep and mm-hmm. uh geek speak geek speak report he helped me out a little bit and our very own thomas stephen caters from around our very own i love tom <laughs> i i nearly shit my pants when he was going, when you get when Chris was reading the list, yes, 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 yes. That's right. <laughs> he he hates it whenever I read lists. He hates yes, it. I don't blame and... him. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> you should. I you, you know what? You should read more lists because it seems to bring out really good uh, comedic uh, bits in him. Apparently, and then and then we had the dog attack centrist, which was fun. No, that episode was great, and that and, was awesome. And I think you should nail John to the chair. Don't let him get away. John is just, you I know, love- I, I I love John to death, but um, we're really gonna we're really gonna shoot for a dinner a dinner for five um, feel for the show. So I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a bunch of different people in there. You want to hear from Hillary Barda again? Yes. We're gonna go get him. Um, is you it know, too early to um, let go with the name that you let me in on last night, or is that something you want to keep for a surprise? Oh, uh, yeah, go ahead. 
No, it's not my show. You do it. <laughs> um, uh, and David will probably um, uh, dig this one as well. Uh, there was a little signing at at, uh, at Dark Tower about a month or so ago. Um, uh, a gentleman who's who's been doing some uh, interesting, like independent horror movie work, but used to work for Marvel back in uh, back in the day, I guess, and uh, also did some novelization and adaptation work. Uh, Don is a native Chicagoan and is going to sit in on an episode here in well, the beginning of July or so, so we're looking forward to having him. Very cool. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. you got uh, squeaked with the uh, Skype when you said his last name. So if, if Oh, Don, Don Glutt. Don Glut, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's when you told me that, it brought me way, way back to my childhood oh, yeah. because that's a name I've been hearing forever. Uh, he he was one of the first uh, after Harry Housen. Don Glut made stop motion animation movies in his basement way back when. Uh, he he made these clay dinosaurs and animated them. And uh, I was real big into Super 8 movies in the early 70s. I think everybody, every kid was. And uh, there was a Starlog publication called Cinemagic. And Don Glutt was all over the place in that, in that magazine. And it, his name just stuck with me. And then, uh, you know, through comic fandom, I heard of Don Glutt doing adaptations of Frankenstein. He took the original Frankenstein novel and took it in these weird and wacky directions uh which i think they're still available uh, he did a series of seven or nine they're really good uh so yeah i can't wait to hear that yeah and you know comic book fans you know like me will you know it may not it may not ring a bell right off the bat but you go back and you look at all those great marvel what issues and don glutt wrote a lot of those great classic what ifs so that that's what I'm excited to talk with him about is right. is the whole what if universe that that he helped create. So and he also did the the novelization for Empire Strikes Back, which is is certainly cool. But that sell like four million copies. Yeah, he probably made more money on that than anything else <laughs> he's ever right. done. So, hey, the guy, know, the guy's uh, a trailblazer. I, I'm going to be very mm-hmm. uh, very eager to ask him about his filmmaking days. That'd be Absolutely, really cool. and you're gonna, yeah, yeah, you're gonna be a guest on that as well. So we'll make sure and, and call you up. So, what else are we excited about comics right now? I, I, it, should we should we wrap up with that, or how are we looking time wise? We're 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 pretty good. Uh, we got about ten okay. minutes. About ten minutes. Okay. Did did, did we actually? Did we? I, I know we introduced ourselves. We told everybody that they're gonna get us weekly, but and and we're just. Well, but we did. We we did say that you know we're just going to be free flowing, free shooting. No you're audio, right. so, audio verite. <laughs> thank you. Okay, so we did. All right. See, I'm I'm still a few minutes behind. That's okay. <laughs> drink drink up, Dave. I'm working on it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't think we've decided where this is going to be available, did we? Well, if you still have that uh, that little area in your itunes under podcast subscriptions if it still says bullpen bulletins we have uh i I think we're going to dust off that feed and release this through there but um i think we're all scattered enough we're all scattered around enough where that i will make this known on the marvel noise forum and and on my on my Mm -hmm. 
blog, I knew, I I would imagine that Chris is going to let people know about it on the Around Comics forum. Uh, no, Vince I'm keeping is, it a secret. You're going to keep it a secret. Yeah. It's freaking um, Tom. Tom didn't even know. <laughs> oh wow, damn! You don't tell him nothing. No, Tom's like, really? You're doing a show? I say, <sighs> Chris didn't tell you. Uh, <sighs> no. You didn't tell me about Tom versus the JLA. Fuck oh, damn. Oh, damn. <laughs> um, yeah, that's I another love, thing. I, Tom, love, I, I love Tom. Right. We got to plug Tom versus JLA. Knocking, mm-hmm. him, knocking him dead. Even the hardest to please comic fan have found something mm-hmm. to enjoy with uh, Tom versus JLA. Best podcast on the net. Well, yes. t- until now. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just the best under 15 minute podcast on the net. There you go. Um, there you go. No, I, I so you'll be able to subscribe through go to iTunes, pop in bullpen bulletins, it'll be on that feed. But uh come to our MySpace page. <laughs> oh good God. <laughs> you you know yeah. what I'm you know what I you know what I'm looking forward to more than anything with this is is not doing a show because, you know, I already do that. David does that. And, and Vince, I think bullpen bulletins really kind of became a grind for you. So it's not about doing a show. I'm looking forward to taking an hour in the middle of the week and just talking to two of my best buddies. There and you go. Just talking here, about here. comics and, and here. having fun with it. So, But you know what we do need? This show needs more wood. I was going to see I was going to let that be a little bit of a teaser for next episode. But what the hell? Mm-hmm. Let's release it. There will be a fourth member to this little cast are uh you know him as wood on the cgs forum with the little uh what the hell deadpool avatar uh, that he has yeah. but uh we know him as uh jason wood and i don't think there's a more opinionated comics fan out there which is why i had to grab him because i he's always has something intelligent well thought out to say about a lot of different aspects of the comic um industry and other things as well so i i thought he was the perfect fit and these guys did too so uh mr wood will be joining us next episode well, he's a, no he's on vacation what, now so what it is i'm i'm always the one that gets beat up on our show you know they make fun of me and i i i love you guys like brothers so i need someone in my life that i can be an absolute bastard to and and I don't know Wood very well, so he's a um, prince. I figure he's perfect. Yeah, he's a prince. He's a, I, I, one of those but guys. Don't, don't say don't say that because I want to be a prick to him. Yeah, well, I think he'll charm you. I, I uh. do. I do. But we'll we'll see. I thought it was the Jewish guy we all beat up on. Isn't doesn't that the way it works? It's like Wait, we, it always we, has been. I don't see why that should change. We we have a weekly segment. Let's pile on the Jewish yeah, guy. I'm a Jew. <laughs> see, I I always thought of the the term. The, Appala- the Appalachian uh, Jew as somewhat disrespectful. Do, do you mind when when you, do you say I'm a Jew, or do you say I'm Jewish? I well, this is me you're talking to. So I mean, I don't know if 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 other people in my family, most people would probably say I'm Jewish, which is okay. Which is always odd because it's like, well, are you American? Or are you African American? Are you black? Are you white? Are you, are you, are you Jewish? Being Jewish is a religion, so it's not like it's it's an. I don't see it as an ethnicity, but no, I'm. I, I don't. I don't refer to myself as a kike. I don't call other people kikes, but I'll say I'll say I'll say Jew. <laughs> okay. I'll say, oh, he's a Jew, or I'm a Jew. You know, I'm. I, I will. If it's someone I don't know, 
or I'm introducing myself or it's coming up in casual conversation, I'll say I'm Jewish. But I mean, like, I'll be like, if, if something goes crazy at work and I walk into the room and everybody either gets all quiet or something goes wrong, then, you know, I'll usually say, well, we can blame the Jew or something like yeah. that. So I'll, I'll, you know, bring the attention to myself. I don't care about that. But no, I, I believe most people in my family would, would say that they're Jewish. Yeah. It's a funny word, Jew, isn't it? Like Jew. <laughs> that was the backup name for the show. It's 11 o'clock comics. It was going to be called Wackajew. Wackajew. <laughs> I forget 11 o'clock comics with, with Vince, Chris, and the Jew. <laughs> Blame the Jew. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's not nice. I love David. I would hope so. That was that was the one thing about ending bullpen bulletins that really bothered me. Was, it was, was sad. Was, no, it was. It was, it was. was not doing my weekly thing with David. And then now we have every opportunity to just go nuts with this shit mm -hmm. because yeah. we can talk about anything. We could spoil. We have more opportunity now to spoil things for David than ever before. Yeah, oh, because they, they, David is very, very far behind on reading anything that's not Marvel. So, so David hey. has to get his act. Actually, I did read uh, to show you just how far behind I am. I recently finished the first issue of Wonderlost. And I'm reading, I'm about to read the second issue now, but the, uh, I have, thanks to the fabulous Pat Loika, who stayed at my place on, uh, I got a Pat Loika story. Go ahead. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> he, uh, he, Everybody's he, got a Pat Loika. He, he stayed at my place following the New York Comic Con. He, uh, he left behind the first issues of Northlanders, which I'm finally going to get to read and, uh, Young Liars by David Lapham. So oh, I loved both of them. I, I do plan on reading something that I'll able to contribute to some conversations, and I'm not just back here going, yeah, okay, I'll wait for you to chime in. You always contribute. So I, I'm walking around the parking lot today at work during, on my break, trying to get a little bit of exercise. I'm coming up a hill. I look down. What do I see? A condom. All right? <laughs> <laughs> Who do I immediately think of? That's your Pat uh, Pat Loika. So I've, I have this weird association of condoms with Pat Loika. But anyway, keeping on the Pat Loika riff, I do not put too much interest in Christmas. Jesus is not my co-pilot. I really don't care about the holiday, but I do enjoy spending time with my kids. So other than that, I don't pay any attention to anything involving the holidays. Christmas cards come. A million and one different people can send me Christmas cards. I never even see them. My wife takes them, puts them on this little Christmas card arrangement thing on the wall that she has, takes them down, and she's the type of person that saves Christmas cards. She'll put them away. So uh, we were cleaning, and she had her little stack of Christmas cards, and she said, there's a weird one in there for you. And I said, you know, what the hell are you talking about? I have no idea. Why didn't you show it to me when it came? She said, oh, you know how you are with Christmas cards. And I, I go in there, and it's a drawing from Pat Loika. Mm -hmm. He sent me a drawing of Darkseid. Nice. And, it, and, and he's holding up an iPod, and he says, I want my bullpen bulletins. But, it, <laughs> but, it, but it's an original Pat Loika, and I didn't see it at the time he sent it. Didn't thank him, so he probably thinks I'm the biggest dick in the world. I got a Casanova Quinn and um, um, Sasha Bordeaux. Really? Yeah. Nice. Cool. Yep. So, you know, just to, I'm, I know I can't redeem myself now, but I have to thank Pat Loika for that awesome drawing that he sent me at Christmas time that I just saw 
three weeks ago. I have, uh, for Christmas last year, he sent me a scroll dressed up like Dr. Stephen Strange. Cool. Because he knows how much I would hate for Strange to be a scroll. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that Sorry. was Pat ribbing me because he really does feel that Strange is a scroll. Um, yeah, he is. No, I don't think so. Yeah. All right, you say what you want. Hey, man, I, um, the 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 seeds have been planted. The the big hints were dropped. Um, yeah, Strange is a scroll. All right, we'll see. I'm telling. Okay, I'll put I'll put a little money on it. You know, right. fiver. Put a fiver. Put a fiver. It all comes back to scrawls, doesn't it? Uh, it all comes back to betting. You know what? I just have to say <laughs> something while we're talking about uh, good comics, recent good comics. In typical Chris Neesman fashion, you picked the absolute worst time in the history of Witchblade to drop the title. That's all I'm going to say. Damn it. You know, I hung in there for 100 issues. I know. And then you dropped it. Witchblade is freaking great now. Um, Ron Mars. Yeah, and, right. Uh, and Cedric, I, I he's, still, the, he's still drawing it. Yeah, he's still um, still drawing it. He's on. He's locked in that book for at least three years. Yeah, <laughs> I actually I met him in New York at the Hero Booth. Really nice guy. Actually, his wife, total sweetheart. Her name's Linda, and she's uh, she's an, an artist as well. Really, really nice people, and he is ridiculously talented. She hot. Um, she's very, she's very cute in a very Eastern European way. Yeah. Oh, she's exotic then. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but she's very I, sweet. I, I, he, that was like one of the first times, one of the only times in, in the in the past. Ooh, in the, one of the only times in the past couple of years that <laughs> it's it's bullpen bulletins thirty three all over again. What what's happening? It was getting like this. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> yeah okay what was i gonna say i don't even remember oh um uh, cedric's art the one of those times where you look at an artist's work and you're just changed by it like why have i never seen this before and this guy just totally just knocks you on your ass and changes everything that's his work it's brilliant and yeah. it's perfect I fit for that title too Oh, and I asked him um, how how long he wants to stay on Witchblade, and he said he's got something like like a forty four issue commitment or yeah. something yep. on it. it yep. I mean, he's yeah. going to be on it for a long time. And Mars too. Mars is locked in, so it's wow. just yeah. They they've created a mythology for the character that is just really cool. It's it's not a TNA book anymore. That's for damn sure. There so, there are there are elements of that in it, like they that Danny Baptiste is uh -huh. a looker and so is sarah but sure. that's uh tertiary to the book it's not even secondary anymore it's they're good looking women but that's not the point of the title anymore so which is what, what, what issue what issue is a good one to, to pick it up and and start getting back into 101 101 really <laughs> Be, because you dropped it, uh, Mars started around issue eighty four or eighty five. Yeah. So from eighty five to hundred, he was just laying the groundwork. But when you see Danny Baptiste come into it, that's when it really kicks into high gear and it gets extremely readable. Very good book. Big, big, big props to Top Cow. They, I, you guys know my tastes. Would I ever buy a book like Witchblade? As long yeah. as it keeps Mars away from Green Lantern, I'm happy. <laughs> Oh, David. David, you got to bring us down all the time. That's Venom. 
such such anger. I know. No. You know, it's because he's Jewish that they all have. That's kind of it. Blame the Jew. Blame the Jew. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's about it. So uh, let's put the cap on this one until next week. And like I said, you'll be able to find us in the same spot every week. We don't know what that spot is yet, but one, <laughs> but once we find it, that that's where we'll be. Yeah, I don't know if we'll be dusting off any forums anytime soon. Uh, yeah, there are, we have <laughs> we have options. We need a forum. Okay. That that's what really pulls me in, man. Is the forum makes it fun. Yeah, we can maybe make accommodations. I'll yeah, talk we'll, to the boss. We'll see what's going on. <laughs> so uh, I hope you had a good time. I know I did. I, I had a great time. Uh, I had a blast. It, I don't care what anybody else thinks. Right. It's only going to get better from here. Yeah, so uh you know uh i can't speak for everyone but for vince b i hope you had a good time and i will see you next week say mm -hmm. your peace gentlemen good night chris good night david have a good great night vince good night guys good night everybody <laughs> ah it's good to be back isn't it oh i love it yeah. it is it is